we introduce regular product giveaways happening here on the Jeep Talk Show every month and sometimes every week. The world's most downloaded Jeep podcast will be giving you, the listener, a chance to win serious gear from major companies that you know, love, and trust. You want a chance to win tires, suspension components, maybe more? Listen every week for your chance to win big. Next entire USA, we got you. Find out more about the tires that are on the 2021 Jeep Talk Show Gladiator, the Nexon Tire Rodian MTX at NexonTireUSA.com. You're listening to a 4x4, 4x4 Radio Network Podcast. Fourth annual Detroit 4Fest brings off-roading uh, family fun. Gear up for an action-packed weekend at Detroit's annual off-road adventure. Detroit 4Fest held at the Holly Oaks ORV Park. Attendees will explore miles of trails and obstacles that offer entertainment for all levels of off-road enthusiasts. Happening on September 17th through 18th, 2022. That's this weekend, people. Go to 4FestEvents.com for, for more information. And, uh, you know, I think uh, Chris from the Jeep Talk Show is going to be out there. Are you ready? It's the Jeep Talk Show with Wendy. There will be body damage. Chuck. I like making people laugh. That's It's good for my soul. Chuck. Yeah, I don't think so. And I think that's a huge deal. So sit back, strap in, and brace yourself. All right, so I got to remind you, uh, we, you never can tell what's going to happen here on the uh, the Tuesday night, 8 p.m. Central Time uh, recording of uh, the the Roundtable episode. Last week, we had Tom Zelinsky uh, of the 4 uh, and uh, Jim Morrison of uh, Jeep.com. I, it, it, I don't know. I, I don't think I have to spell that, do I? Jeep.com. So uh, if you hadn't heard that uh, that episode, you should go back uh, to last week's roundtable episode and uh, and have a listen gee i hope i have that right it, it seems like it just happened so i think it was last week anyway are you new to the roundtable are you new to the jeep talk show well welcome the roundtable is listeners like you that connect with us on tuesday nights at 8 p.m central time you don't have to be invited you just need a zoom meeting link and password everyone is invited because everyone has an opinion or something to share to get the meeting invites uh, information subscribe to our newsletter at jeeptalkshow.com slash contact so we now join the Zoom meeting, which is already in progress. Please keep in mind that what you're about to hear is completely unrehearsed. Thank God for that. The opinions may be strong and may or may not reflect the opinion of the Jeep Talk Show. All right, guys. Uh, who all was here last week for uh, uh, Tom uh, Zelinsky and uh, Jim Morrison uh, question and answer? Me. Me. I was here. Yep. Did you guys feel... Um, awkward about asking questions of either one of those gentlemen i mean they're 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 kind of a big deal no i was waiting for him to give away jeep yeah exactly <laughs> where's the giveaway come on at least a discount code for something uh, uh the the guests were the prize so uh-huh. <laughs> so we haven't done one of these in a really long time where it's just uh, us talking and uh, uh, uh yucking it up and chatting about uh various things i do have a list of uh, questions but you know we haven't talked in a long time should we should we catch up is everybody doing okay i think we should get a trail report from uh drummond island <laughs> well larry you should have been there steve you should have been there larry i saw the larry video does that in videos yeah yeah don't worry, like Steve. Fight club. You, you don't talk about fight club unless you're in fight club <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm right there with you. Yeah. So, so the, the, the running joke is, is that Steve wants to go everything, but he's too busy. So this, his last invite was to go to Drummond Island with, uh, uh, Larry and Chris and, uh, he was too busy. Wasn't that it, Steve? Too busy, too far away. Um, no, it was something that's planned every Labor Labor Day weekend. There's a kind of family thing we've been doing for the past 10 years, so. Oh, like, well, gosh, that's, you know, 10 years of it. You needed a break. You could have done something different. <laughs> if you're like I, me, I, the family could have used the break. <laughs> tell the family get COVID. Go ahead and go without me and instead of drumming. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, at least you were wanted to be up there, Steve. It could be worse. It could be like, oh, thank God Steve couldn't go. <laughs> that is true. So I was talking to somebody on the phone the other day. And we were talking about off-road racing. And the, the individual I was talking to, I kind of thought to myself, you know, I just kind of get the feeling that, just, that he's probably like me and is not a huge fan of off-road racing. I don't know why. I mean, I think uh, NASCAR is, is really cool for a few seconds. Uh, it's real interesting if there's a crash. I hate the idea of anybody being hurt, though. And it also does hurt to see those, those vehicles get mangled up. And, um, I mean, don't get me wrong. I think it's a good idea to test things. It's exciting for the, uh, uh, for the industry. It gets more people interested in off-road. But I've never been real interested in just sitting there and watching an off-road uh, race. So my question, the first question is, are you a fan of off-road racing? And if so, why? This is Larry from St. Louis. So every year I always like watching the King of the Hammers and all that. And that's also probably one of the biggest ones that's always televised. Just enjoy the rigs. I mean, they're really pushing those things to see what they endure. And then, and then especially when you see the uh, the sideshow when they're doing Chocolate Thunder and everything else at night, kind of when it's a total free-for-all. I've wanted to for a couple of years now try to find a team to volunteer for. I think that'd be fun to be out there volunteering. Uh, you know, for one of those races on the in Johnson Valley. It looks like it's a pretty uh, a nice place to go and uh, hang out. I'm sure it's very interesting seeing all the crowds and uh, what's there, and of course seeing the vehicles. But you really can't follow the race by standing there and watching, can you? Yeah, it's like most things. You actually get. I think you probably get better footage on TV because you get all the drones and everything. It's. I think if you're on site, it's more about the environment there than anything else. Right, being immersed in the activities. And right. alcohol. <laughs> well, I don't drink them. Well, this is Chris from Detroit, and uh, I would. Uh, my thought is, uh, I would agree with Tony. Um, not a huge fan of off-road racing as a circuit. I think King of the Hammers is cool because it's more of an event, like uh, you know, a couple of points just mentioned, and it's more a spectacle. And an event, but really, what got me into jeeping, you know, really is kind of uh, heresy to say it was Toyota, but Iron Ivan Man Stewart. If anybody remembers him from the late '80s, um, I was at a car show and they had the Toyota uh, pre-runner, if you will, or I think it's called pre-runner, and that got me into well, what's this off-road thing. But once got into a jeep, I just never, never had a have a a desire to to watch it it's just i mean it's a spectacle and the, the stadium super trucks you see at some of the uh indy car events we have them here in detroit uh they do them on pavement it's cool it's just again it's an event it's a it's a sideshow they they jump some ramps they have a lot of suspension travel they land most of the times on all four wheels and keep moving and uh, yeah when they roll over it's cool 
but uh, I just, I, I just for racing, I just can't get into it. It just seems to be counter counterintuitive to the, the way I think about off road. Yeah, I'm more of a slow and uh, cautious kind of guy uh, for at least personal off road. Now, with that said. I think it would be an absolute blast for somebody to put me in a $250,000 off-road vehicle at King of the Hammers and just me just blast off. I think it'd be so much fun being a part of it. To me, it's kind of like sports. I always enjoyed playing sports. Watching sports wasn't as interesting to me. I, I like being involved in it, and I think that'd be kind of the same thing on off-road racing. If I could go, I love going fast, and uh, if I think if I could go uh, fast off-road, but my God, you really got to put some money into the vehicle to be able to do that uh, further than uh, a few hundred feet because <laughs> it's going to break on you, especially if you don't know what the hell you're doing. Yeah, this is uh, Tony from Michigan. I'm a uh... I'm actually a pretty big fan of kind of the off-road circuit, more or less like King of Hammers and the desert racing. Um, more the off-road circuit than any racing, mostly because you tend to see a lot more sportsmanship. Uh, even if, even though they're in big races across the desert, if someone's broken down or just rolled, you'll see cars stop, help. Um, other things like that you hear plenty of stories and i don't you don't really hear much like that from any other racing circuit yeah it's definitely a different kind of environment than uh, oval track or uh, anything like that but uh i i guess uh, i guess one of the things that I, i've not seen a lot of it's usually like uh, little clips and stuff you guys probably know what it's called better than i do it's the it's the trucks that have the uh, i think they're two-wheel drive trucks they have this amazing suspension and they have jumps on the the, uh, the the track. I don't know if it's an oval track. And you see these trucks jump way up in the air and sometimes they land on each other and uh, they just do some crazy things. Finish a race with uh, three wheels and all kinds of crap. Stadium trucks. What is it? Stadium trucks are like... Stadium, that. yeah. That's one of them. Yeah, that's pretty, pretty wild seeing some of that stuff. But there again, I don't know that I could sit there and watch it for a couple hours. <laughs> I guess if you have your smartphone with you, you can watch anything, right? All right, so I think the majority of you guys that have that have uh, spoken up here are not uh, off-road racing um, fans. Travis has got his hand up. Travis, you don't have to raise your hand. Right. I know I don't have to raise my hand, and it's fun <laughs> because I've been here in a while. Um, that said, no, I've I've never really followed it before in my life. Now that I've since I started my charity event, and you know it's it's not going at the moment, but I've met so many people in the Jeep aftermarket industry. And I personally now know a lot of different guys that run the different courses. I mean, they're not at King Hammer. Now they are at King Hammers, but I see them running at Tennessee and I don't even know the name of the Facebook page that I follow. It's like, Hey, it's live racing right. now. Boom. And I see my buddies that are racing and I, and I'm following it now. Um, I honestly don't know what I'm following. I know <laughs> where they're positioned, when they're racing, and I and I tune in to watch it at that point to see what they do. It's impressive to watch what they do. Mm -hmm. And then these are the guys that are building our Jeeps here locally and, and have shops that, that do things, and I, I'm impressed by it. Um, I'm still not following day in, day out, and I'm diehard set up, you know, ready to sit in the pit stall and, or pit crew and, and watch but i look at it while i'm at work racing's coming on and i'm looking tuning in on facebook or you know it's 
it is impressive on what you know they're they're running you know tennessee at winrock all the time and i'm like hey let me watch this and i am impressed with it i'm not like hey i'm a diehard fan or or know anything about it but when you know someone in it you tend to yeah that does make a difference like hey i know that guy yeah that makes sense uh, and I'm sure the and industry, I'm sure the industry uh, really, really likes having the off-road racing because it really stress tests their tests their components. All right, that was my hand raise. Thank you. Next. So, um, anybody else uh, want to jump in on that? Are you a fan of off-road racing? Yes, uh, I could give two fucks about any other sport on the planet. I think it is a a gargantuan waste of our effort and time and and resources on most sports but whenever it comes to motorsports uh i care about pretty much rally racing king of the hammers stuff like that nascar can pretty much uh take a long walk off a short pier (laughs) uh everything else is all right oh very cool very cool all right well let's jump to this one we already kind of spoke about this at the top of the show uh what was your favorite moment of the tons tom Zelinsky? sorry tom and Jim Morrison interview. And uh, are you excited the possibility of having more people from Jeep on the show? So Steve from Chicago, I guess I'll start. Sorry. Uh, you know, I just, I thought it was fascinating. You don't get to talk to someone at that level normally on, any, on anything, on any company. So the fact that they took the time, you know, he talked about listening to his consumers, right? And coming on the show, that's a big part right there. That shows actually honesty and sincerity in it. Oh, and you don't know what's going to happen from a half-assed podcast, do you? Especially whenever it, people it, that's are just... A big, that's a big <laughs> risk. And he didn't even have a PR person there, you know, tugging, <laughs> and tugging on the shoulder saying, don't answer that, right? <laughs> I mean, that's that's huge. Yeah, I thought so, too. Um, you know, as far as who else I want to hear from Jeep, I kind of want to hear from, like, you know, procurement, supply chain side of it a little bit, but that's just me and my background. I'm always curious to see what the bottlenecks are and... Steve, you know, Steve sorry, sorry to interrupt you, Steve. I'm working with, with some of those folks, it wouldn't be an interesting conversation. <laughs> oh, so it's like you talking to you? No, I'm kidding. Yeah, well, <laughs> we have no parts. Yeah, supply chain. Yeah. <laughs> what about what about some of the designers uh, of the of the Jeeps? I think it would just be a blast to find out how they came up with uh, you know this, that, and the other. And uh, well, I- do they ever sign the Jeeps on the inside of the uh, the panels or something? <laughs> well, I can tell you the marketing people, after listening to the, t- if they listen to the show, will never come on because of the naming. Those are the guys that do all the naming rights. Oh, uh, God, yeah. Oh, boy, <laughs> that would be fun. What the hell were you thinking? <laughs> I, I personally was pretty nice to hear. You know, a lot of times you see uh, executive executive level people never really involved or use the product. They're too busy managing the company, per se. Mm-hmm. You hear that he was actually out wheeling you know, regularly in the Jeep. You know, I think that that to me gives a a lot more of a promise than what what's to come in a Jeep versus someone who just looks at it. Well, I'm making this product, and you know, move. You know, it looks at it as a commodity versus you know what you're actually doing with it. Well, you kind of learn why uh, the Wrangler and uh, Gladiator don't have uh, an IFS front end. I think. Uh, right, because the, it, it's this individual or individuals know that it's a it's a Jeep, damn it, and we need to keep it uh, Jeep uh, just right. as long as we can until the government makes us bend over. 
Yeah, because, you know, it's not uncommon for execs, you know, they're, they, they, executives bounce from company to company, whether it's vacuum cleaners tomorrow or these cars today. You know, you, you, you know of it as a business, not necessarily as the product, right? Right. Unless, you, unless you're out actually using it like, like you know, it looks like he's doing yeah, and the poor bastard has to uh, go through de- several different ones. You know, oh, what am I going to drive today? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's tough life right there. I love what uh, Tom said, where he said, uh, uh, "Jim says, uh, hey, this is this is kind of a cool uh, cool Jeep. You thinking of making up that hill?" <laughs> I mean, that's what Jeepers say, right? <laughs> no, we say holding up here. Yeah, well, that's, I asked that, know, and there was no beer. Denied involved. that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> smart, smart man. Smart man, basically. This is Bill from Central Texas. So the thing I, I think I really liked was, number one, you know, um, Jim had kind of a, a long history with, with Jeep yes. on there. You know, definitely was a Jeeper. And I think one of the things that was interesting was when they were talking about, you know, some of the feature developments, like, you know, you know, those were the result of some oh shit moments, right? Like, you know, <laughs> the... the the hill assist, you know, working in reverse and those type of things. And those are the type of things that, you know, unless you go out there and, and use the product and you know, have those oh shit moments, right? You'd be like, oh, you know what? Wouldn't it be cool if it could do this, right? And and you have the the resources to go and and do do those type of really cool things that, you know, features that we benefit from. So, you know, having somebody in that position that is a wheeler, certainly I think is a huge benefit and then i think the other thing i liked was when they were just talking about some of the old older features that have been around for a long time that they were kind of that are still on the jeeps right like being able to start it in in gear right and those type of those type of things so i thought that was really fascinating and, and pretty cool yeah it, it, well, i did test that <laughs> yeah. you didn't know about that it didn't work oh what? so unless there's unless there's a setting or something you gotta you got to turn on or off. Were you for low? I stuck in barrel. Up barrel. Obviously, right. the first yes. one. <laughs> Press the gas pedal twice. <laughs> did you did you hold up the brake? Did you hold the brake down and the gas pedal down at the same time oh. and start it? That's that's what you're supposed to do. Um, so it was it was cool. It was nice that hearing that inside baseball type thing. It was almost like yeah. uh, being in the garage with Steve and Wozniak talking about the first Apple computer. Kind of to me, it was this really neat where you were. It be like you say, Bill. It'd be really cool because like, you know those things happen when you're especially yeah. in a tech, technical environment. You're working on stuff and you go, hey. Wouldn't it be cool if we just did this? Maybe it might be a, a, a way that the network is designed. I mean, if you're in IT like I am, and you yeah, just we go. Do stuff like that, right? You're like, hey, wouldn't it be cool if we could do this? And we're like, you go off and you do it, and you're like, oh, shit, that worked, right? Like, it's it's cool, like just having the resources to be able to go do something like that. Yeah. So. And and like you say, if if he hadn't been, I think uh, I think Jim was with uh, has been with Jeep since 95. So I thought he would be a little impressed when I said I had a one over one owner XJ because <laughs> he knew he knew the XJs if he was there in '95. <laughs> Anybody else got a favorite moment from the Tom Zelinsky and Jim Morrison uh, interview? And by the way, Tom Zelinsky uh, was the reason why Jim was on the uh, the interview with us, and uh, he's the the guy putting on the Four Fest event Detroit this coming weekend. No, I think uh, to to uh, Larry's point, uh, it's just cool to have industry people at the helm. And I, I, for all the, my opinion, for all the the wrong directions the automotive industry is going in as a whole with electric. And again, that's just my opinion. 
um, you got a lot of car people, engineers running the companies yeah. uh, or, or brand people. I, I don't know Jim's background, but, uh, I, I'm not, that's not, if he's not an engineer, but, uh, it's, you've got car guys and girls that are running the, the show at the, you know, Stellantis Chrysler, uh, GM and Ford, which is, is really maybe not so much Ford, uh, but, uh, the, the other manufacturers. And I think that just makes all the products better. And it was just neat to hear Jim talk about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to having more uh, more Jeep people on, and uh, I'd love to have Jim on again. Jim was a great interview. All right, so let's move on to our next question. Uh, wow, we're zipping through these things. Uh, what is the, and this is definitely self-serving, what is the best giveaway item that the Jeep Talk Show has given away? And when I say Jeep Talk Show has given away, we're just the, the, the conduit, getting the uh, our great sponsors, our, our great uh, sponsors that are doing reoccurring giveaways with us, and uh, getting the you uh, getting those giveaway items to you guys. So, what's the best giveaway item from Jeep Talk Show? And uh, you can't say tires. I don't know. I haven't been given anything. <laughs> oh, no, it doesn't. It doesn't say what did you get, Steve? What's the best thing that Steve got? I was doing that, that MXT five seventy five. Oh, <laughs> there it is, right there. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have to say that's one of the probably the better Got ones that fired. I, I like. Yeah, yeah. So uh, there's some interesting things coming uh, out of Midland. I uh, I don't know if I mentioned this or not, but uh, Zach from Midland, he was our contact person at Midland. He's moved on uh, from Midland and uh, is now working in something uh, in another industry. Well, not really another industry, but not at Midland. And uh, he was uh, telling me a few things that are coming out from Midland. I think you're going to be. Uh, Really excited about that, and we're going to be having a, a, another Midland giveaway here real soon. I just need to contact the, the new folks to find out exactly what it's going to be. So in other words, don't buy the five seventy five now because something better's coming. Uh, no, I don't think so. I don't think that's it at all. Um, there is, uh, I, I think I can mention this. Uh, would you guys be interested in a GMRS portable repeater? Oh, oh yeah. Is it, is it going to be another rebadged thing? Just a Another item with the Midland badge slept on it? I don't think so. Uh, and uh, how about one of the... You guys, I think, were talking about this in the Discord server. Uh, what was the the that gun uh, canister radio? The opera... Well, the, the small one's the Operator G1 that's been around since like 2015 or 16. Uh-huh. The, they came out with the big one later. Uh, Midland sells the big one. It's like $500, and it doesn't even come with a radio. Yeah, it's, it's a ridiculous amount of money. Yeah, so don't quote me on this, but they're, uh, they're I believe they're looking at giving one of those away with a radio. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's, that's nice. Yeah, I thought the repeater thing was neat because I I don't I would be a little a little concerned about it getting stolen, but man, wouldn't it be cool if you were going on a, an event and you set up this portable repeater and now everybody's going through the th- through your repeater your GMOS repe- repeater that's on the trail. Uh, your group, you know, so handhelds, uh, mobile radios, 50 watts, uh, 15 watts, they would all benefit from that, uh, depending on height of the antenna and stuff from the portable repeaters. But uh, so, just a cool thing. Redivus uh, has already got one. Redivus has already got one called the RT97. I forget what that power output is. I think it might be 10 watts. And uh, um, I built a portable repeater. <laughs> <laughs> I built a portable re- repeater once. Sorry, my wife's distracting me. <laughs> oh, well, if you need to go I, for any reason, we understand. <laughs> is, is the distraction worth your time? <laughs> it's about to be, yeah. Uh, uh, the uh, 
So I, I built one one time using the uh, Wotion KG UV8D, which is a handheld that has crossband capability. And I stuck it up on top of a mountain one time, uh, like a public access mountain, and I just threw like a camo net over the top of it and put an antenna on top of a tripod. And uh, it actually worked pretty good. But I imagine that the actual purpose-built units work better. Right. Well, you would hope, especially for the price of those things. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm really, I'm really excited about the the things coming from uh, from Midland, and I'll be reaching out to those guys soon. I'll have a better idea. And of course, uh, uh, another uh, plug is to find out what we're giving away. You can uh, subscribe to the Jeep Talk Show newsletter. And here for the last uh, two weeks, uh, we have been uh, putting uh, about the uh, the the, um, the bolt lock uh, lock for the JLJT uh, was last week, and uh, this week it's uh, Tuffy. Uh, with the under drawer uh, security thing for a JK, which I think uh, uh, Tony uh, Mitten is very interested in, in getting that one. It'd probably be Steve. I bet you Steve will win it. <laughs> I want to have a JK. I know. <laughs> well, anytime one of the companies are willing to work with the show and you know give product out to the listeners, I think that's always a good thing. Does that mean a lot to you guys? I mean, it means a lot to me for obvious reasons, but does it make it uh, more, do the, the businesses make it more interesting for you whenever they're part of uh, part of the Jeep Talk Show? Absolutely. Gives you gives you insight to what's out there that you hadn't seen before, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I love having them on and talk about stuff. And, and so many of yeah. these things are so interesting to me uh, that it, it, it's a, a treat to be able to ask uh, all the stupid questions that I'd like to ask. Uh, it's uh, It's a lot of fun. Now, Tony, a question on the uh, mobile repeater. Would you have that in a in a Jeep on the trail, and and one person would be the repeater vehicle, or would that have to be set up in the area of where you're going to be? I'm just curious. I guess you could. Uh, uh, Josh, what do you think? I, I would think that setting up on a high point someplace would be the best place for, and having it at, at a stationary location, kind of like in the middle of everything, of all the trails that you're going to be on. But distance would the- be very important. The uh, the the red of this unit is self contained. It's literally like in a tiny little pelican looking case thing mm-hmm. with a carry handle on, and you could absolutely run that in a vehicle if you wanted to. It would be kind of wasteful, I think, considering that if you're vehicle to vehicle in a convoy, you're going to be close enough for for simplex ninety nine percent of the time. Right. Uh, I, I I think personally the best use would be to put it on top of them on top of a high hill or a mountain in the area where you're going to be running. The problem is if you're like traveling, if you're not staying in the area, if you're traveling from here to there to there along the line, that's not going to work very well. It really depends on the terrain. I mean, if you have a, a high mountainous region, then you can get, uh, or anything, any, any way you can get it up high, it's going to make a huge difference. And, it, and you're right, the simplex stuff would probably be, I mean, we've been out there at, uh, at uh, Hidden Falls, and uh, the simplex stuff was fine. I think the only ones that may have had a little bit of an issue were the it would be the handhelds and the, this is certainly would be a handheld boost type thing it would basically make the uh, as long as they could get to the portable repeater uh they would have the uh the better antenna the better power output uh, theoretically anyway now would you be able to program the channel that you want to be the repeater uh you would have to well but would it be changeable i guess is it yeah so the the gmrs unit i mean the the it, the uh on the freaking Redivus unit, it's a uh, it's basically the same kind of functionality as a Balfang. Okay. So it's just that you would have to use the GMRS re- 
repeater pairs. You can't well, like yeah. just go do whatever you want to with it. But well, yeah, uh, you, the worst thing you want to do is go um, go out somewhere and, and stomp all over someone else's uh, station they've already got set up, right? Yeah, and that would just be an issue of checking like mygmrs.net and seeing yeah. if there's even a, there may be a a, a a repeater in the area that your group can use while you're in that area and you wouldn't even have to deal with this portable repeater. Right. Yeah, well, I guess tie, tying all the repeater off-road racing and everything together. I mean, in all seriousness, if you're out in a group with someone with the fancy Falcon shocks and they're running ahead on the trail and they're supposed to be leading the trail, would, would the repeater work? And this ties back to our Drummond Island trip where, uh, one of our, one of our crew had the fancy Falcon shocks that Bill runs and, uh, was, was out of radio range for a bit. What wasn't he Larry? I mean, we were all on handhelds. I mean, I was an, yeah. thing and uh he, he was in a gmrs repeater but in all seriousness we lost radio communication a couple times it wasn't a huge deal we knew where we were going but it was a matter of hey did you go left or go right and where are you at and what's the and maybe getting too technical on the radius what's your what's your distance on a on a handheld to handheld and it's simplex as uh josh mentioned well first i gotta say that if the leader of the trail is bypassing and can't see the person behind him he should no longer be the leader of the trail. Exactly. <laughs> Good point. It's it's not even necessarily about being in view of one another. I mean, where where I live, if you stay within, if you stay close enough to one another, you're just going to get dusted out the whole time. You won't be able to see anything but the road directly in front of the jeep. Uh, at the very least, you need to stay within radio range. And if you're listening to the radio and you hear people talking, and all of a sudden people start breaking up, you need to slow down or stop and let everybody kind of close that distance uh hand handheld to handheld is going to be very terrain dependent and if you're talking from inside of a vehicle you're already shooting yourself in the foot you need a, an external antenna on top of the vehicle a repeater box is not going to help that in a vehicle necessarily okay. because right. i mean it, it's basically going to have the same range if you're using it in a vehicle it's going to have the same range as a mobile radio running on 10 watts so just a question here i know i don't want to break the conversation but Shouldn't we allow John Lee on right now? He just got into a Camry. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you, you, and Josh, you bring a good point too, right? We're going down to land of, between the lakes. Me and somebody's going to Turkey Bay Off Road Park. And are you really? Gonna, Steve, yeah. Are you really going to go? <laughs> <laughs> Come down and find out. And oh Jesus, just got a full size of John's nose. Um, <laughs> hey, wait a minute! Wait a minute! So Steve, you'll go to these other events, but not the Jeep. Talk sure. <laughs> if, it, if my calendar allows, I will go to whatever event I can. Um, oh, but, I'm just saying. I noticed that you know all these events, but none of them are Jeep talk show events. Okay, so. Mister. Everybody came to Colorado where you will live, and you didn't join. <laughs> so, but we're going to let him. One guy's like we're researching all the repeaters all the way down, and I'm sitting there like, we're convoying down. What do you need the repeaters for? We're going to be within a few miles of each other. Well, things happen, and and it's good to have. I think it's good to have communication uh, uh, backup set up so that whenever something happens or somebody breaks down yeah. or any of that stuff, yes, uh, the uh, the speaker uh, recognizes Travis who has his hand raised. Hey, so I just purchased my Midland five seventy five at the Great Smoky Mountain Jeep Invasion. I've yet to install it, and I see this little ass antenna it comes with, and I'm like. I want the ghost antenna to mount to the side. Do you have any issues with that ghost antenna mounted to the side of the Jeep over that little S antenna it comes with? I mean, I know Dick about uh, 
GMLS. Ghost works. I, mean, I don't know a damn thing. I have the Ghost. I put it on when I go off roading, and I've never had a problem with it. I've tested it around here. I'm hitting the repeaters just fine. Um, it's it's, it's going to be more of a, a distance thing. I keep the. I have a three three inch one. I keep in the Jeep. That when I have the Ghost on, if I need to put it on, I can throw it on in an emergency. But the Ghost works great. You'll you'll have no complaints with it. So I would, uh, no complaints. I would say the the little antenna that comes with it that's like a a um, your worst case scenario. I would I would it's magnetic, so I would hang on to that so that if you get a rollover or in a situation where the antenna that's affixed to your vehicle isn't working, you can put that on the the piece that's right side up on the Jeep and use it maybe to call help or the, whatever. And uh, the, I would highly recommend a, uh, a a different antenna, and I would highly recommend one that's at least uh, a foot and a half long. I don't know, uh, Josh, you're you're more up on the the latest GMRS stuff. What is that thing? It's about a foot and a half, isn't it? Uh, that would be like the six dB, and it's basically yeah. a, a two five eight. So if you look at the antenna, there's a coil in the middle of the long ones. That's essentially two different antennas connected in the middle. And that, that's what that coil, it's called a phasing coil in the middle. That's what it basically does. Uh, there's a ton of science in antennas. There's people that literally go to college to learn how to build antennas and antenna science and all this stuff. But uh, if you look at, in a very basic term, you look at the, at the radiation pattern of different, and different an, antennas, the higher your gain the more pinched the signal is towards the horizon. Right. So the more the more elevation difference you have between two radios, you may have issues with a higher gain antenna versus a lower gain antenna that makes more of a bubble. Which if you viewed it from the top, if you had a diagram of this radiation pattern and looked at it from the top, it would look like a big donut. Uh, a three decibel gain antenna, a three dB gain antenna, which is the short ones. And this is all based on the the like relation of the wavelength of the radio wave to the 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 antenna length so usually like the most common ones are like a, a half wave antenna a gmrs wavelength is about a foot uh, is about a foot tall mm -hmm. so a half wave gmrs antenna is about six inches tall uh yeah there's a whole whole lot to it but basically any of the current currently available antennas out there are going to do the job for you, especially for like simplex vehicle to vehicle. Uh, the big, long six, six decibel gain antennas are great out in like the flatlands because you get more, it pinches, it puts more of that power from your radio transmission towards the horizon versus in a big bubble around you. Well, you bring so, up, a, you bring up a good point. No antenna uh, is no length, a uh, certain length of antenna has gain. Uh, it's, ex it's exactly that. It, they're reshaping where the signal is is going and also too it increases the receive so on, on those ones that uh, that flatten out the the pattern it goes out further transmits further gives you a multiplication factor of whatever power output you're having uh so uh, it also receives better in that direction and and also too josh did mention this placement of the antenna on your jeep has a lot to do with uh the receiving and transmit pattern and the problem the problem is are you putting this on the yj or on your gladiator i'm putting on the gladiator so Look, the problem is it won't it, the magnet I mean, won't work except on the front oh, bumper. No, right and that's, yeah. that's why that's why i'm buying no no my front bumper i bought was plastic 
I, I'm you, going you, aftermarket, you, and I wasn't going to spend the money. Right. Yeah, so then so, you got a problem. You got no place to stick the antenna, except if you take that little plastic molding out, you can put it on the frame between the bumper and the Jeep. Or if you have a metal and plate I, in your I, head. <laughs> but it's going to be very I, directional. I, I do have a metal plate in the head. Yeah, it's going to be very <laughs> my, directional. My goal was I wanted I wanted a ghost antenna. And, and my whole point was I bought the 575 going, okay, it's a 50 watt. It's going to be the best, blah, 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 blah. But it still comes down to antenna. Yes. I'm like, all right, well, it's all about the antenna. Because I'm like, I want, no, I don't, I don't want, but again, I've got a four foot, you know, uh, what's, what's the antenna company that I've got from my CB sitting on the back of uh, probably, fire, probably fire, fire stick. Yeah. Yeah. Fire stick on the back of my YJ. And I love it. It's great. You know, I, if I ever go back to CB with, I don't know if I will because I've got a Baofeng for my YJ that I'll put in it, and I've got a, you know, now the MX575, whatever it is, you know, in the Rubicon. Um, but I wanted, I didn't want to have a big ungodly antenna on, on my Jeep. Buy both. Well, the yeah. great thing about it, and, and, and Josh, Josh has mentioned this, there's a relationship between the frequency of the radio and the antenna length. A quarter wave on CB is like 102 inches, but on uh, GMRS, which is around 440, 450, whatever it is, megahertz, it's a much shorter antenna. So a quarter wave on that one, what was it? Uh, what'd you say, Josh? Uh, uh, about, about a foot long, foot and a half, something like that? Uh, oh, six inch. Yeah. Oh, sorry, six inches is what you said. So it, you, 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 if you think about it, a 102 inch whip, and you guys have seen these things. Um, they're just they're just huge and ungodly long, and especially uh, a hazard in an off road environment where that thing's whipping around. So uh, I, I, the GMRS thing, especially with repeaters, is just so wonderful. It's FM. It's generally quiet. There's not a lot of people there. You don't have to worry about AM and hearing all these noises, uh, uh, electrical noises or transformers and stuff that you would hear in, in the using that that type of uh, modulation. So, uh, yeah, it, it's great. Uh, Travis, just get you one, get you a quarter wave antenna, quarter wave long antenna for GMRS, and it'll, it'll do very well. And, and again, for everybody that's listening to this and wondering about this, if you're doing GMRS for trail runs, you're, you really aren't going to have a problem. It's just like Josh said, you need an outside antenna. An outside antenna uh, from in, from that cage that you're in in the Jeep, even whenever you have all the doors and stuff off, it's going to be better with an outside antenna. Better oh. receive and better transmit. Sorry. Josh, yeah. one more question because I'm reading my instruction manual and I do see intercom because I will tell you right now as a CB owner, I love my PA system. Love it. Uh-oh. And <laughs> I saw intercom on this 575 and I want you to confirm or deny that yes, I can put a PA speaker under my Jeep and have my PA yell at people. You're driving uh, I, I, I can't confirm that without looking at the manual for the 575. I've never seen a ham radio or a GMRS radio with a PA output. Yeah, like you would I don't think this one has one. No, it doesn't. It, it, the, it doesn't have PA. It says intercom. Intercom. I'm like, well, what the hell's intercom? Uh, have that you ever would flown be inside the vehicle? Yeah, have you ever flown a small plane and, and put the David Clark headsets on and talk to the pilot and the pilot talks to the ground control and stuff? That's what that intercom is uh, for. I can rewire that. And and again, I, okay. I haven't looked at the manual for the 575. If that in fact does have an actual intercom feature, that would 
be a big deal to me because yeah. on my CJs, I run, uh, I've run a like a portable aircraft intercom in there because of the noise. Oh yeah, no. If, I, if you're if you're driving on the highway, that's really the only way to talk to one another. Yeah, top off and stuff, uh, intercom yeah. thing. Oh yeah, it's wonderful. Now, but keep it in mind, you have external speaker and intercom. I will confirm that, and I can go pull the manual out of. I'm I'm going to go pull and, it up right now. Screenshot yeah. it for you. So that intercom may work as a inter, as a PA speaker, but the power output would be very low. You'd be really you'd be a lot better off just getting a thousand watt uh, PA system and put on there. You'd have a lot more fun with that. No, I just Tra- I'll Tra- buy another CB and put it in there. Travis, one thing you can do is you can add an external speaker. And okay. I have oh, mine and mounted uh, up on the bar between the two seats. Absolutely. So, Steve, Steve, does have external Steve. speaker. Absolutely. I've got the output for that, and I will have that done. Yeah, absolutely. Get an external speaker horn. on any any radio that you have. I r- really recommend an external speaker because it's all about placement. It's kind of like the antenna. It's really important where where it is uh, for you to be able to hear what's going on. Yep. Tra- Travis, wants, Travis wants to order for the or the cars, the, the two cars in front of them at the drive-thru. That's what he's getting after. He's not saying it, but that's what well, he wants to do. Actually, uh, I don't know if it's still true, but back in the 80s, they were publishing, uh, or I, I guess it was later than that because it was uh, the internet was there, but they were publishing the frequencies for like Burger King, you know, the drive throughs and you could actually get on those frequencies and say, hey, I'll take your order. <laughs> and you, so, you'd be Mr. talking Microphone. to the speaker. Yeah. Hey, babe, I'll be back later. <laughs> if you... If you have one of the bow things or anything that'll pro, that'll go off frequency for what it was designed for, uh, like the bow things that'll do ham, GMRS, whatever, uh, like Walmart runs the blue dot channel on MERS. Uh, Atwoods, or sorry, not Atwoods, Tractor Supply generally uses like GMRS 21 or 22, which is FRS also. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, a re- there's a website called radioreference.com. Right. You can go on there and you can find all kinds of frequencies for different stuff. For if you're if your local fire department or police department or whatever still runs analog radios, uh, you can get the you can get the frequencies off of there and listen in on them. I listen into our our sheriff's department and fire and county fire all the time around here. Oh, back in the eighties, I had so much fun listening to police and stuff. But boy, no, everybody's on trunk encrypted. Blah blah blah. <laughs> oh, you need a Bearcat. <laughs> yeah, there's a. Uh, uh, it was actually a federally mandated, and that time frame is actually passed, but there wasn't enough funding just in general to get everybody switched over. So Thank God. Pushing it off, pushing it off. But uh, it was supposed to be federally mandated that all these different government agencies are supposed to be, uh, are, are supposed to be digital. Not necessarily in, in uh, cryptid, but at least digital, which might as well be in, in uh, cryptid, because if you don't have that stuff to listen in on digital radio, it just sounds like modem noise. Right. Well, really, really cool. Uh, yeah, I love the GMRS stuff. It's it's wonderful. It's it's very close to uh, the two meter or seventy centimeter uh, ham radio stuff. But uh, you don't have to uh, convince your wife and kids to uh, get their license. <laughs> oh, Travis, you got your license recently, bucks. didn't you? Yeah, thirty five bucks. They finally they finally went yeah. to thirty five dollars, and uh, there's no test. Hours. And it happened very quickly, so that was uh, that was really cool. And it's up; it's good for uh, I think five people in the family uh, can all use the same license. You say that, but how do I add five people in the family? You don't. They just use they just use the call sign. Just pick up the mic. And and family is very generalized. That includes your in laws and 
I mean, immediate family, extended family, anybody that's related to you, either legally, like through marriage or through blood, they they're covered by that license. Mm -hmm. They identify as your family or side chick, uh, Travis. So not Katie Powell, who I'm not officially married to yet, but it's Travis and Katie tonight. So she's driving my Jeep, my one of my Jeeps. I'm driving the other one. She's not covered. Sure, she is. If, if even though you're not, if you're not married, no. Oh, isn't anyone south of the Ohio River related to everyone anyway? <laughs> so, so Travis, honestly, this is not going to be a problem. No. It's not. Nobody is going to. The FCC is not hiding in the bushes. They don't have <laughs> the money and the resources to chase down every okay. Jim Bob and 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 Sally that's out there running around with their GMRS radios talking to or, or using the bullfangs illegally on the GMRS. Yeah, uh, yeah. exactly. I mean, <laughs> I'd I'd be on a bullfang with a license. She'd be in my Jeep or my Rubicon because she will not drive the YJ. She won't touch it's, it. But I'm the, just thinking, me and her both out. She's going to be covered under me, but they're both my vehicles in my name. Well, just be just keep in it's mind no, that it's, it's your matter. name on that license, so you're responsible for how the people that are using the the the, the call sign how they operate. So just yeah. just keep that in mind. If they're not a trustworthy trustworthy person, although I don't know that there's linear amplifiers for uh, GMRS yet. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes, there are UHF linear amplifiers you can get. That'll no, no, that. I know that, but I mean, I don't think it is. Uh, I don't think it is as uh, as bad as it is on CB or or it was. No, no. <laughs> well, the 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 frequency doesn't lend itself to that. Unlike CB, where if you put a thousand watts into a CB, you're splattering all over the band. You know, fifteen hundred miles away. Mm -hmm. Well, no, uh, and then that, and this is kind of what the FCC had in mind whenever they came up with CB. Uh, they wanted something that didn't uh, the the signals didn't go very far. But unfortunately, that's. Uh, CB band is in the HF band, and it uh, has propagation uh, that allows you to talk uh, great distances uh, at times. All right. So yeah, the the overseas CB is far would work far better for us. Like the ones in in Australia, their CB system right. is all UHF based. Yes, it would have been far better for us. I think it was a time frame at which uh, the CB came out that the technology just wasn't there for at least inexpensive uh, UHF uh, radios. Um, yeah, that's true. Yeah. If you if you ever want to have if you ever want to sit down and watch a crappy movie and drink whiskey, watch Citizens Band. Uh, oh, it is basically basically goes over like how CB in the seventies was essentially like Facebook and everything today. Yeah, you true, were a fa true. you 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 were just a faceless voice on the air that could talk crap to everybody and nobody knew who you were or where you were at. <laughs> yeah, there was no no caller ID, that's for sure. Uh, I think I, I first got on CB in 73 and then uh, really got big into it around 76. So I, I hit that big wave where the CB was real popular and they were making movies and smoking the bandit. They were using CBs and uh, uh, the whole thing with the, uh, what was it, Convoy, I think was a movie. Uh, yeah. Chris Christopherson and uh, they had some actually pretty, pretty big names in that thing. The movie sucked. But it was hot. CB was hot right then. Anyway, it's fun to watch. Yeah, it is. Uh, so now let's uh, let's jump on to this uh, this last uh, question I have here. Uh, what is? And I think this could be very interesting. It, it may suck. I don't know. What is the furthest you've driven your modified Jeep? And did you make it back and forth without any incident? No. Is there a definition of modified? Well, you know what I'm saying here, because if you modify your vehicle, it 
things have a tendency to happen to it, either the way you drive it or because of the modification. So, uh, if, you've, did, uh, if, if you've modified it, just almost, go with that. Almost 7,800 miles round trip, uh, over 2,000 miles off-road. <laughs> Hev- heavily modified vehicle, stretched frame, new axles, new engine, uh, bodywork, blah, blah, blah. So, big trip. That's the furthest I ever went, and blah, I did. Blah, blah, uh, Greg. You're a professional at what you do. <laughs> he builds. I, he builds factory I did, vehicles. <laughs> I did have uh, two mechanical incidents. I lost a beadlock while on the highway and had to fix that. Ooh, and um, I ripped the track bar off the frame on a trail in Moab and had to use uh, a pair of batteries and a couple Mexican nickels to weld it back together so I could get off the off the trail. And I drove it all the way home that way. Did you have to remove the cushion surgically once you got home? No. <laughs> I would have been nervous. <laughs> no. <laughs> it, it made it off the trail. We were, we were doing a trail called Rusty Nail in Moab. Mm-hmm. Um, I made it off of the trail. So I figured that that was a pretty good litmus test that I would be able to make it home. That's true. Oh, yeah. I see what you're saying. Uh, or, or break it just enough to, uh, did you leave the Mexican nickels in there or was it just, uh, used as, uh, the filler? No, those are, the, so yeah, some of the, uh, I've if you got look that at, gate close. If, if you look at like, uh, and I'm trying to remember the years, one of the guys on the trail knew this, but it was like a pre 2000 Mexican nickel. And you could actually use those as your welding rod. Oh, well, I see um, what you're they, saying. They don't burn very long. They only burn for, you know, you, you get about maybe a half inch of weld out of one nickel, but it worked and it got us off the trail. And when I got home, it was a real pain in the butt to cut it back out. <laughs> well, that's good. How did, uh, how did you know about the Mexican nickels? Did somebody there know about it or did you know about it before the incident? Uh, no, I had never heard of it before other than like a MacGyver episode when I was a kid, but, um, but no, it was, it was just one of the random guys on the trail and he saw it and he's like, you know, we, we broke and we're trying to figure out how to get off the trail with ratchet straps and stuff, but it's such a gnarly trail. We, we needed a better fix. And the worst part is, is I have a, um, premier power welder on my rig, mm-hmm. but I didn't have my welding leads. Oh. So, uh, so we used uh, two pairs of jumper cables that were scrounged out of different vehicles. And then, yeah, the, those Mexican nickels that were like, and I forget, he knew the exact year, but they were pre-2000. Mm-hmm. And um, I think we used, we ended up using like six nickels that one guy had in his cup holder. And it held it together enough to get off the trail and then went into town and tried to determine, should I cut it all off and fix it in town? But um, my steering was straight, everything was straight, and it was tracking good, so I figured, screw it, I'd drive home. Very cool, very cool. Yeah, <laughs> I thought that might be an interesting story. Greg, have you, talking about, speaking about M- MacGyver, have you ever thought about doing a Jeep build that is, uh, the, you, you, you trash the entire body, and you build the body completely out of paper clips? Call it the MacGyver. <laughs> well, I did do, um, and this was a couple years ago, 2017, and, and this isn't a Jeep, but it is something that I, Somebody bet me I couldn't build a rat rod, um, and you can go through my social media. You can find pictures of it, but I ended up throwing together a 1933 Chevy pickup truck into a rat rod. Um, I built the whole thing for under two grand. Wow. I bet, but basically, I found a truck in an old farm field, uh, went to the, you pull it, pulled an engine and a trans and a couple other things, um, 
and ended up building this. It was 21 and a half feet long. And <laughs> I drove it. No windows. It had, it had kind of half of a windshield. The windshield was four inches tall, um, but it didn't have any other windows. And I drove it from Michigan to Vegas for SEMA and back. Because, you know, you see all those... You see all those rat rods at SEMA, and none of them are driven there. They're all put on a trailer and taken. So of course, I figured, screw it. And so that was 2017. That was uh, one of the years I brought Frankenbrut to to SEMA, and I actually towed Frankenbrut almost the entire way there with the rat rod. So oh, it's, there's some pretty cool pictures of it on my social media you can find. But it was a uh, it was definitely a fun trip, and to build a complete vehicle from garbage. I mean, literally garbage. Like the engine and trans I bought at a junkyard, I had to pull it out myself, but they charged me 300 bucks because the, tr- the truck was so destroyed, they didn't think I'd get anything out of it. Um, the, the 33 Chevy pickup, I got it from a farm field, um, and it had sunk eight inches into the ground, so I had to cut the bottom <laughs> no. eight inches off of it. Um, and then everything else was scrap steel and garbage that I found laying around. The rear axle ended up being a 14 bolt. The only reason I did that is because you could pick one up for 150 bucks. Um, when I drove it to SEMA, I did put a new rear drive shaft on it because originally I made it. I did a homemade drive shaft, but for that trip, Tom Woods um, took care of me and got me a, a good drive shaft, and we did end up putting brand new tires and wheels on it for the trip. Uh, so that was the tires and wheels ended up costing more than the yeah. entire build of the the, yeah. the truck, but. Um, it was a lot of fun. Uh, I, you know, I should have never sold it. I should have kept it and kept enjoying it. But I'll tell you, that was that was just an absolute great thing to do. I think what was I forty? Um, I the downfall bet, is is only. I bet had like you had. I bet you had a lot travel. of a lot of lookers, a lot of looky loos on the way back and forth. Oh, there was a lot. In fact, there's a there's a video. I think the video is still on my uh, Instagram in the Wayback Machine, but. I was, I was going down the road and I decided I'd do a little Instagram. We were in Texas and I went live on Instagram and I was, I don't know, I was probably doing 75 or 80 and you couldn't hear in the thing because it was just open headers, right? You know, open headers <laughs> yes. right out behind your head <laughs> yeah. and the headers went from, I made the headers with a inch and three quarter conduit from Home Depot and I bent them and put them into the frame. And then I came out of the frame right behind the cab into semi smokestack. So it basically went, it was a megaphone. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm flying down the highway and I'm doing this Instagram live and a couple of people were like, oh man, that's so cool. Let it eat. So I decided, screw it. I'd let it eat. So I tried to put my big toe into the carburetor and I opened her up as fast as she'd go. And she had, I think it was a 272 rear gear in that um oh gee 14 bolt and it was on 35 inch pitbull all trains which measured the same as like a bfg 37 on the rears Uh, and it was a dually so i had four of them but i opened it up probably five miles without ever lifting and i was i don't know my guess is i was probably doing 150 160 and i passed a cop (laughs) um so so, and, he, and he pulled you over just because he wanted to see it up close. <laughs> no, he, he, he didn't even pull me over. Uh, I passed him, and I realized what I did, so I got in the right lane, and I slowed down. Wait for him, you yeah. Know, and so I'm doing, I'm doing approximately the speed limit because I didn't have a speedometer. And it took him a couple minutes. Finally, he gets up next to me, and he rolls down the passenger window, you know, because it's a white suburban, all uh, limo-tinted windows, and uh-huh. he rolls down the passenger front window, and I just see that 28-gallon hat of his. 
and he gives me a thumbs up and takes off. <laughs> no, oh, but it, it was it was a really really fun trip, and you know, for anybody that wants to see at least pictures of that rat rod, just just go on like my Instagram on unofficial use only, and just go back a ways, and you'll see pictures of it. But it was really cool. That's a shame that you don't have it anymore. But but the, the nice thing is you can always build another. I, I could, but I just don't have that much inherent free time. Well, that's just because you're good at what you do, Greg. Like, like even, you know, the Jeep Frankenbrut, um, I rolled it almost two years ago on my birthday, and it's still in 10,000 pieces because I'm always working on this stuff for other people. Mm-hmm. Well, very, very cool. And uh, that brings us to the, uh, the end of this trail, the Roundtable uh, Trail. Uh, always good to have uh, have you guys join in, and uh, you never know who's going to be in the uh, the Zoom room. Uh, it's always some good people, and uh, they're often here every week. So I uh, just want to remind you, we want to uh, let you know that uh, our uh, coming up on our next uh, Jeep Talk Show interview show, uh, it's going to be Alan Clawson from YankumRopes.com. They make some uh, some great elastic type ropes. I'm not saying they're made out of elastic, but they, they work like elastic because uh, it uh, uh, lets you uh, uh, get a lot more pulling power uh, w- by using the uh, the stretchability uh, of the rope. So uh, that was a great interview. Looking forward to that one. That comes up this Thursday, so the uh, the very next episode here on the Jeep Talk Show. I want to mention real quick, I probably should have mentioned this at the top of the show, uh, we do have a giveaway going on that you may have missed because we had a little uh, snafu with uh, the uh, episode order over the weekend. So if you haven't gone and listened to, uh, what is it, episode uh, 7, what is it, Chris, 746, is that right? I'm, I'm losing track of the of the damn numbers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Chris is muted. So, uh, let's see. Let me look it up real quick. Um, yep. So, uh, episode uh, 675 and 674. So, if you go back and listen to 674, and uh, you may will hear a giveaway there for uh, bolt lock, uh, a hood lock for a JL, JLJT. So go check that out. Uh, we, uh, like I said, we really haven't got any calls on it yet because I think of that little snafu with the the misnumbering of the episodes. All right. So if you'd like to be part of the roundtable, all you have to do is go over to jeeptalkshow.com/slash/contact and look for how to sign up for our newsletter, and you'll get uh, reminded every week uh, about our upcoming uh, Tuesday 8 p.m. Central Time recording for the roundtable. And you never know; it might be be a conversation between uh, the Zoom people. Uh, and me or uh, the Zoom people, a guest and me. So uh, the the important thing is is that uh, you're here and uh, it be, being part of that. Now next week uh, on the uh, the Zoom room, we are going to be talking with David Ladd, Armalite Full Vehicle Flooring Kit. Uh, you got to check this thing out. It's really cool and it's uh, really a, a great idea, especially if you like to have the top off your Jeep and not worry about getting uh, water in your vehicle. This will uh, replace all that carpet and make things a lot nicer for just having that uh, that fun, uh, no-top Jeep that you've always wanted. So keep listening. Four episodes a week. Go over and check out jeeptalkshow.com slash contact, and we'll talk to you again really, really soon. Podcasting since 2010.